Hello. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. It's um, break time. Break time. Time to rest. Time to take School. a nap. Uh, hardly. Uh, there's, uh, you know, school's out. Here. Oh, that kind of summer break. Mm. You're not doing Water. a year-round school? Uh, I don't think so. If so, we're going to get a letter. Yeah, you would know, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, we'd, I think we'd notice. Keep dropping her off. <laughs> Picking her up eight hours later. Yeah. <laughs> Why did you do this again? School, honey. How are you doing? Pretty good. Almost, yeah, almost summer break here. Got few, two more days, I think. Mm-hmm. You think? I think so. You don't know for sure? Mm. Hmm. You don't really follow it? They only wake you for the important meetings? I mean, I wake up every morning and I'm, I'm ready to take them to school, whether they have to go or not. That's how I play it. That's a good way to do it. Always ready. Dan at the switch. That's right. <clears throat> I have very nearly just next to nothing for today. So this can be, we can free ball today as far right. as I'm concerned. All right. We can talk about whatever you want to talk about. Um, what is exciting? What's happening? WWDC is coming up. Uh, let's see what else is new. Somebody wrote in, uh, and wants us to send him all of the emails that we've gotten from people who want to be on the show. Yes. I'm not, <clears throat> and I'm not going to be doing that. We're not going to do that. No. No, that's, ooh. Oh, can you even imagine that? No. No, I can't imagine that. Oh, sure. <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's it, it seems like, first of all, it seems like the implication is that we've saved all of these. Well, I mean, they're all in Gmail for me. Oh. <clears throat> Man, I don't know where Do you actually go. delete, you delete, like hard delete your email? You know, it, that's it. That we could make this the whole show topic is how, how to manage email because... Uh, it seems like there's a different choice depending on where the account lives. So if, if I'm, first of all, I do not use the Gmail, uh, user interface, uh, on the web. I only use mail app on the Mac and the standard mail client on iOS. I run stock Merlin. Yikes. I run stock. Yikes. What uh, a world of pain. That's fine. Works for me. You are okay with the mail app on iOS as it works today. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. And so sometimes when I swipe to delete, sometimes it's delete, uh, which is if it's not on a Gmail type account. And the other times it's archive. I believe it's a little blue uh, archive as opposed to the little red delete. And where that goes, nobody knows. I assume it goes into uh, all mail folder on Gmail that I'll never see. Uh, but you don't it, ever look at all? You never, you never look at all mail? Well, no. Oh, man. Wow. Uh, we are. I just, I cannot begin to count the number of ways we are different about this, which is good. Um, I think in most apps, not in most apps, in some apps, some third-party apps, as you say, uh, there is a bit you can flip to say, um, when I archive, what I, what I really mean is delete. Because there's the concept of deletion in Gmail is, you know, it's, it's available, but it's not really what they, you know, are encouraging you to do. Right, right, now, right. I don't know how that works in the iOS app. They but, still, um, they still, because later if I go and search, those emails that I have archived or deleted or whatever are still there in the Gmail accounts, but on the, on the ones where they're on a, another kind of server, they're gone. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's pretty much how it works. I mean, yeah. um, Google has the luxury of storing those little text files for a lot longer. I mean, because they're forever. made of scale. Yeah, I mean, probably. I mean, it makes sense from Google's point of view. Um, 
Yeah, I use uh, I use Spark on iOS. I like I, I Spark and email uh, Spark and Airmail. I both like. They both drive me nuts. And there isn't a single email application on iOS that is half as fast as I would like or expect at mm-hmm, this point. Mm-hmm. It's baffling to me. I think part of this is I don't use iCloud for email at all. I mean, I have iCloud accounts, but I don't even look at them. I forget that they exist. And I'm given to believe that in the Apple ecosystem, special you get special things with iCloud. Right. Like, uh, I have to sneeze. Oh boy, here comes another one. Oh my God. <laughs> if I do one more, I'm going to let you hear it because it's really loud. Yeah. Do you I feel don't... like you, do you have control over your sneezing? Do you feel like, or is it sort of like it takes over your whole, your whole body? I think there's I two po- kinds of I don't of poop people. myself for anything. I mean, I don't, I don't lose complete control. Like I know I some people who, when they, when they sneeze, they're, the volume of their sneeze, the motion that they go through, all of that is sort of unconscious or subconscious. You know, they they're not in control of it at all. They can't yeah. they can't attenuate the volume of their sneezes, or unless they're muffling it furiously with tissue or something. They're just they're loud. And I'm like, what is all that? And they're like, sorry, that's how I sneeze. But I don't. I, I I once again, we are so different here. I don't know why anybody would do anything to squelch a good sneeze. It's so satisfying. Oh boy, I think it's coming. Oh God! Uh, <clears throat> um, sneezing is not like yawning, where you can talk about sneezing all you want. It's not going to make someone sneeze. Yeah. Whereas yawning, you say that too many times, and you got people yawning. Uh, I, I think it's one of those things. Like, do you yawn when you look at the sun? Like, I think there's a certain num- percentage of people who have that and don't. I am one of the people. If I look up and look at the sun, I will yawn. I know somebody that sneezes when they're <laughs> exposed to the sunlight. People are so interesting. <clears throat> mm. We're already pretty deep, deep in the stack. Um, we were talking about email. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I haven't looked into this in a long time because it hasn't been relevant to anything that I do. But, I mean, I've got, I remember being slightly confused <clears throat> in the early days of iOS by when you set up an email account and you could set it to fetch versus push. I remember right? that. So, and I mean, I haven't touched that in, in years, so I should probably look at it again. But if memory serves, Fetch was, I want to say pop-like, but that's wrong. It didn't delete your email. But Fetch was, when you open the app, like go and look for new mail or new, new whatever, right? You pull in this new information when, when the app opens. And I mean, the truth is today there are still so many apps, even especially Apple stock apps that don't do anything until you open them, which drives me bananas. It seems so crazy to me, just as a slight derail, it seems so crazy to me that when I open notes after it's been, you know, updated many times on different devices, I still see it updating, it appearing to update in real time as I open the app on on uh, Mac OS. That seems nuts. Like imagine you got on a plane and you forgot to update all your stuff. That's so strange. It feels like that should push. And maybe it does. But then I also get the thing where like I turn on my laptop, it hasn't been on for eight hours and it takes two or three minutes for iMessages to catch up. And I've got it on the power nap and all that stuff. Where you're sitting there and you're like, I just texted this thing to my wife and it's still not here yet. And then all of a sudden you'll you'll see hundreds of messages coming in. Like in weird order. In weird order, yes. Yeah, but I mean, to be fair though, I get way fewer like real persistent, like this just never showed up or is in the wrong order permanently. I I get a lot less of that than I used to. But, you know, even when you have push on with email, like I still... 
And even with Spark doing its strange dark magic of hosting your credentials on a server, I I still frequently don't get mail until I open the app, and I don't know why. Please don't don't email me. But you know, those are the kinds of things where like that that feels like I'm sorry, I keep feeling like I'm going to sneeze. It that feels like that should be a solved problem pretty much everywhere at this point. Do you know what I mean? I totally do. I mean, <clears throat> an interesting distinction. You mentioned how you're you have Gmail accounts but aren't using the Gmail. The web, web uh, interface, correct. Application. Right. Well, you know, for most of us, that's our, our experience of, of Gmail is whatever app we use to get to Gmail. Right. And, you know, for somebody like me, that is every time I can, it's the web app with key commands. But, you know, that's just the, you know, that's the GUI for a service. There's all this service stuff going on, like under the hood. I mean, <clears throat> it just seems, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just missing something, but it just seems strange to me that everything cloud-like would not periodically update in the background that seems really odd to me and with with mail it drives me nuts it, it causes me anxiety like i open the <laughs> app and i gotta watch the spinner go for a second yeah. I'm like, oh god what's gonna fall into here now right so i don't know i mean it works you know well enough but it would be really nice to know that like i would never do this <laughs> but Let's say I hadn't opened my laptop in a week for some reason, but it was charged. It would be really nice to know that I would not, I could, without even opening the lid, I could throw it in a bag and get on a plane and know that everything was up to date on there. So maybe I just don't understand what PowerNap does. Yeah, I thought PowerNap was what happened when you, it, it's, it's like a, a state where nothing really is it are you saying certain things are happening during the power nap i'll send you the link it's actually it's just in show notes go you can i'll put it here though right. um <clears throat> how power nap works on your mac oh yeah if your so mac supports power nap, does happen stuff does happen it's supposed to yeah, yeah mail receives new messages contacts keep up to date with changes made on other devices calendar receives new invitations etc reminders keep up to date notes keep up to date with changes made on other devices i don't know if i think that's accurate yeah well, I, am I wrong? Did you? Okay, let's open up. Let's open notes on El Cap and see what happens. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. Still the most recently updated note is my TV to watch note. And I saw Handmaid's Tale change and go to John Wick 2. So yeah, this was, it was, there's no way this was updated locally. That's nuts. Yeah, that's, that's really strange. I don't know. The, um... Apple Cloud stuff has come a long way. I, I still don't know that I w would want to trust it w with my life for like all my files, mm -hmm. but um, but I feel like it's gotten a lot better. What are the kinds? Of, there's some kinds of things that I feel like. I think the whole like syncing preferences, whatever, whatever that piece is called, has gotten a lot better. I feel like. You know, we're like, there's certain kinds right, of... Right, right, right. Where you set, you like, if you have two Macs and you set your preferences for a certain application to behave a certain way that then when you log into iCloud on the other Mac, it'll bring those settings in for you directly. And keychains along with it too, which I don't um, yeah. always feel comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah, after the thing that happened with Stephen Frank, I'm really kind of, that was a real wake-up call for me. And remind, gonna, remind me what that was. Uh, I don't like to dredge it up. Stephen... Uh, who is one of the, I believe, co-founders of Panic, um, got... Uh, oh, yes, he, of course, recently, yeah. Yeah, so basically Stephen had downloaded a copy of Handbrake, which is an app that's mostly used for ripping DVDs to uh, electronic copies. He happened to download a copy of Handbrake 
during this, like, I think like a, maybe a three day window Yes, when it had been, uh, somehow it had gotten injected with malware. Right. So here's what happened because my understanding is that because handbrake is essentially open source to some degree or it, the source code was somehow compromised. The people who ha- who did that hack were able to upload it to one of the handful of mirrors that Handbrake uses. I don't know if they use five or if they use 50, but oh, they, I bet they got a ton. One of those contained. So there was only a very small chance that not only did you have to download it in, within a certain time window, but you had, had to, to down. Be, you know, it, it had mirror. to be from that specific mirror. And that is the one that he actually got it from. And then you had to you know, give it your authentication run through all these different dialogue boxes. And, and only then could it do the bad things that it did, but it did it to him. I have met Stephen Frank. Um, perhaps I've interviewed Stephen Frank. Uh, I, I would consider him a, a friend of mine. I have met him on probably half a dozen occasions and I'm very confident telling you he is much, much smarter than I am about <laughs> almost everything. And <laughs> he's, a, he's, smart a, dude. he's a careful thinker, like a very careful thinker and an excellent artist. And you know, that happening to him is, is a real wake up call. You know, and then of course, what happened was, I mean, I hate to rehash the whole thing because it's so ugly, but they, it looks like, I guess their source code for their apps was taken as a result of this. And uh, Panic wrote up a really good, Stephen on the Panic site wrote up a really uh, fascinating postmortem. And then in the, in the result, in the aftermath of that, he had a series of tweets about what he's doing differently now that I thought was super interesting. Things like, you know, something that might, might be non-obvious to a power user in a way that would be obvious to a, you know, computer security person, like don't put your one password password in keychain, uh, which I haven't, which is mine is not, but I went and checked just I was like, Oh, is there any chances that's in there? Cause I mean, you know, who knows what you're doing all the time? I mean, unless you are, it's really difficult to know. This is an ongoing old problem of like, when you get a pop, I feel like there was a time I could be remembering this wrong, but I feel like there was a time on OS 10 when you would get a pop up to enter your, uh, you know, to authenticate, usually when you're installing an app or something, you need an access to a folder or, you know, but where it would tell you what it was doing. Like this app is requesting your password. Right. And I feel like maybe this was a, I don't know if this is a little snitch or something that I had running at one point, but I feel like it used to say it's doing this to do that. You know, and the thing is, what if that's, what if that's installing some kind of a launch D thing? So one, I, I can't find it right this minute, but Stephen had good suggestions for things like, uh, there's this thing you can get that watches for any new launch D things that have been added and things like that. That's in my to-do list. But why am I saying this? <laughs> because why, we, why am I talking about this? Go back, syncing things. Syncing iCloud for everything. A little nervous to put every, all your things in the iCloud bucket, computers, bucket. telephones. Yeah. Computers, telephone, telephone. Email clients. Yeah. I don't like uh mail app. I don't like the iOS client and I know that Spark is probably the best thing out there for iOS, but I'm like such a creature of habit. Mhm. I, under- I understand. That I totally I, understand. I tried it. I spent time with it and I found like it it like th- this is one of those silly things that um I try to approach things with a with the scientific method and I try to approach things in a way that I can quantify my decisions based on real reasons, but this just like felt wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like I used it for a while and it didn't, it didn't feel right. So I wanted to switch away from it. Using it felt, it didn't feel 
I'm, I'm trying to parse your words here, but it didn't feel iOS like. It didn't feel natural. It didn't feel like what you were used to. How do you it mean? It definitely didn't feel like what I was used to. And I'm usually pretty good with that. Like I've switched text editors, um, which I spend many, many, many hours a day. I don't want to say all day, but almost all day in the text editor, writing code, making notes, that type of thing. I mean, that's that's when I'm not recording with you or a couple other people, I'm writing code all day. So the, the text editor is probably the number one app I use second only to the browser. And with browsers, I go back and forth between Safari and Chrome. I don't like any browser that much. I just use whatever I need to be using. Uh, but when it comes to the text editor, of course, that's so much of your day and you remember shortcuts and you remember all the different extensions and things. I can switch pretty easily between uh, TextMate and Atom and, uh, you know, Sublime Text. And it, that's, I, I can use all of them. I can use any of them. And, and I certainly understand people are like, no, like, how can you use that one? It's so backwards. But that's fine. I'm pretty much fine with all of those. But for some reason, I'm, I'm hung up about this, the mail client thing. I, I've used it. It did feel iOS-like, but maybe it was a subtlety. Like one thing that I really, that, that gets on my nerves for no good reason is like, I don't like it when an application, especially on iOS, uses non-standard fonts. Uh, oh, inter- interesting. Use, okay. use the system font. Make it look, it's the, to me, maybe it goes back to the days of Windows uh, when everybody thought it would be cool to use a different font in their Windows application. And they've gotten a lot better than that nowadays. Uh, But one of the wonderful things about the Mac was that everything looked the same. Everything looked consistent. Uh, You know, you, you, you would launch an application and you knew that it was going to have a file menu. You knew that it would have an edit menu. You knew that the Chrome around it was going to be pretty standard. And on the Windows side, meanwhile, people were like, I'm going to make the app look like a rocket ship and you've got to grab it by the top fin of the rocket to move the window around. Won't that be cool? No, it will be terrible. It will mm-hmm. be a horrible user experience. For me, I don't, don't, I don't like opinionated apps in the sense that I don't like when they <laughs> make font choices for me. You let Use the system font. Apple's pretty good about picking a good system font and nowadays with uh with the with uh san francisco font that we have i love that font it's incredibly legible uh, i don't have perfect vision i don't want your your cool font that you thought looked better i want the default font i want the stock font mm-hmm. and, and so or i should be saying typeface i know what you mean i know what you mean they're gonna get upset i'm gonna get emails dan said uh font 18 times when he meant typeface i just want just give me the standard font that could have been it that could have been yeah. the whole thing right there. Taste is important. Taste and preference is important. And also just having a tool that feels feels familiar to the parts that are important to you. Like I'm, I'm guessing, for example, that regardless of whatever text editor you're in, you probably, there's probably a certain amount of like, I'm going to say key commands, but whatever your version of is some kind of an automation involving your fingers and a mouse. I bet you've kind of... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Standardize that across those that you use a lot, like as you much as possible. Those. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, doesn't that, that that makes sense? You wouldn't you wouldn't want to have to rethink this. And in, in my very, I've said this before, but in my very short time using Windows, uh, I, it made me crazy to try and move between those two keyboards, right. like working on Windows versus working on at that time, I um, OS nine. It would just try. I, I would 
I would forget everything like in the middle of the day. Like, I was, ah, what do I have to do this? Ah. <laughs> it was so confusing to me. And I mean, I, I wonder though if one analogy, there's so many analogies we always return to, but when you think about somebody who's a carpenter or somebody, anybody who has a toolbox of stuff that they use, whether that's an automobile mechanic or a carpenter or a plumber, the, th- the thing is like there could be, you know, you've got a toolbox from which you will, I bet you have to use almost every tool in your toolbox at some point, let's say over a year, right? Right. Let's get, you get down to like a quarter, like over three months, there's a pretty good chance that there's tools in there that you don't use that much. And there certainly is in a subset. Now, here's the thing. You get down to like every day, like every job, every day, every job, there is probably at least one tool that you are going to use Every single time. It might be how you begin and end what you're doing. And I, I don't, I want to keep this abstract. I don't know if that is a kind of crescent wrench, if that's a crosscut saw, like, or if that's a hammer, right. or if that's, if that maybe you cut hair and there's just a certain kind of trimmer you really like to use. What I'm trying to get at is that it does, it would not necessarily benefit everybody to have the best and most tricked out version of every single one of those tools all the time. In fact, if you did not have a way to have your one to three most used tools easily at hand all the time, it would be really frustrating. And in fact, all of those costly best versions of that tool you've ever had, if they're obscuring your ability to get to the tool that you use 80% of the time, that's an unsuccessful toolbox. Right. And that's kind of, I think, a little bit, setting aside for just a minute, the aesthetics. I think it's a little bit of what you run into with, uh, what you call it, opinionated apps. Yeah. Some opinionated apps I really like. Like, it, it, as it turns out, I think a lot like Marco with overcast. Maybe he's trained me. Like I think Castro's an astonishing app, but it just doesn't work like my brain works. Um, just as, as another example. So, you know, it's, I think it's valuable to realize that why it is that you, well, it's, it's self-evident if you're a professional, why this one tool is the one you use a lot. And I think it's, it takes a certain amount of smarts and self-awareness to realize like what you actually really need to do consistently to accomplish the stuff you need to accomplish. And, you know, you could overlook a bunch of Cruft and Kipple and Chrome that gets in your way if it's not hurting what you're doing. But like, and I'm not slagging here. I don't mean to slag if it comes off that way. But for me, that this is where mail falls apart is that to do, my main thing that I want to do in Gmail is to read as little email as possible. That's ultimately my goal in some ways. If you, if you see my meaning here. Yeah. Like if I come in and there's 10 emails, I want to read the subject line and see who it's from. And if it hasn't already been filtered by a filter, hasn't already been dispensed or dispatched by a filter, I want to get through that so quickly. So for me, that's, that's in the list view, left bracket, left bracket, left bracket, left bracket, you know. When you, when you're looking, uh, or like when you're in, I'm sorry, when you're inside of an email, inside of a list view, left bracket, left bracket, left bracket, marks it as read, moves it to all mail, archives it, and then takes you to the next message. That means it takes, as long as it takes me to click that left bracket 10 times, gets me through 10 emails, um, or J to just go to the next one, you know, VI type commands, I guess. Um, now that's not for everybody, but that's, that's for me, I, how ironic is it that one of my most important goals is to spend as little as time, little time as possible, uh, not reading email. <laughs> and so for me, one of the most critical tools is how do I go from here's a bunch of crap I didn't ask for to here's the stuff I need to do to accomplish my job and maintain my relationships. 
And so that's that now is that for everybody? No. Like when I, you know, there's, 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 it seems like there are like those of us who really, really love the web app. And I understand why other people don't because it's, it's a web app. I get that. But for me, like what I feel like what I have to go, and I haven't used it in a while, but it used to just feel like I had to walk through so much hoarded garbage to get to anything good in mail. And it, it just it felt clunky and weird. Mm-hmm. And so like, I should look at it again, but like it just, it, it feels slow. The searching sucked butt on mail the last time I used it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect that to be any different. So the only reason I say here is like, th- this is why we all get to have our own preferences and we don't need to apologize for or defend why we, why we like a certain way. As long, I mean, especially if we are self-aware about why that is. And I think it's, it's pretty straight up of you to say like, I just don't like the way this thing looks. Mm-hmm. I, that's, that totally makes, I don't love the way that Spark looks. There's exactly one thing in Spark that I use and love. Um, and, and the thing that if other apps got this, I would probably look at them more carefully. And it's so embarrassing, but here's what it is. I open up Spark. Doop, 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 doop. Mail shows up in the inbox. There may be something in there I want to deal with later, but not now. And so I will manually slide from right to left and say, snooze this for three hours, or snooze this till tomorrow morning, or snooze this till Monday. I use that a lot. Try not to overuse it, but there are some times when I'm like, okay, I'm with my kid. I need to deal with this, but not now. I do that for a couple emails. I may do a quick response. And then at the bottom of the screen in the inbox view, what do you call it? The little grabby thing? You see like the three dots that mean it's yes. okay to grab here to do a thing? Right. You, you hit the little grabby in the lower right-hand corner underneath your inbox, and you slide it. And there's one on the right and one on the left. One on the right means do all of the same snoozing things to this. The one on the left is you swipe from left to right. All that stuff is archived. Archive my entire inbox. Now, that's not hard to do on Gmail. On Gmail, when you're in the main inbox view, you can hit asterisk. Let me see if I can do this from memory. Asterisk A. I do asterisk A-I-E. So asterisk A is select all, I is mark as read, E is archive. But still, that's four clicks. One swipe from left to right, isn't, isn't that ironic? Like my goal is not to have like easy responses. I mean, I've got text expander for stuff like that. Mm-hmm. My goal is like, I just, just if, if I know, like I say, it's like, it's like, you know, it's like alphabetizing your recycling. The ability to just go, I, this is all known, not interesting, good or useful stuff. I just want it all to go away. So for me, like no matter how good the fonts get, no matter how good and, and, and sexy the sync on the back end is, like if it doesn't come up quickly and let me archive stuff quickly, then it's hard for me to stick with. And that's, that's weird, but that's my Crescent Wrench title. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that makes sense. Um, you know, there, there is this tremendous value. You, were, you made the Crescent Wrench connection, the tool connection. You know, I remember a guy back when I was in high school and he was using these tools and forgive me if I've told this story before, he was using these tools from this company called Snap-on, which to me sounded incredibly junky. It sounded like uh, Snap-on sounds like something that, you know, like it's like a toy or something. Like it's a Snap-on. It doesn't really connect. It's just Snap. It sounds a little little dirty is how it sounds. Oh, yeah. So I, I was like, snap on, like, what's that? He's like, well, they make the best tools. Now, this was a guy who his job was to repair um, generators, uh, large power generators for, uh, I think, the Florida Power Corporation or Florida Power and Light or whatever they were down there. And uh, so, you know, he was working on expensive equipment and he used 
these tools, which were the best, he said, and the most expensive by far. And he had been in the Navy, he'd been in the Army, and he was a machinist and engineer and things like that. So he, he knew what I was talking about. I said, I never heard of that. He said, well, it's really only for mechanics. Mechanics are the only ones who know about these kinds of tools. And I said, well, see, I always bought, you know, Craftsman, and they have this good warranty. If, if it breaks, you know, they'll replace it for free and the life mm-hmm. of the tool. Now, he used said, to be Craftsman was part of Sears. Yes, yeah. And he said, oh, that, that's pretty good. I said, what's the snap-on warranty if, if they break? He said, they don't break. <laughs> I said, what do you mean they don't break? He said, they don't break. They just mm-hmm. don't break. Like, you can't break them. And time and time again, I've heard that from mechanics. And you can always know if you go to, like, a really good mechanic, they're going to have snap-on tools in there. You get used to those tools as well. It's like you're saying. Like, you get used to having something. And then when you want a tool to work a certain way and it doesn't, that that becomes incredibly frustrating. And I feel like there's always that learning curve. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, it's worth it. If you get past the learning curve, and for me, the, the biggest learning curve that I can remember in my life in, in connecting to technology was switching from hunting and pecking to touch typing. And I never, I never took a typing class in school. All of my uh, other uh, schoolmates with a few exceptions, took typing. I didn't because they offered a computer class. And the computer class, like we learned basic and turbo Pascal. And I figured this will be an easy A for me, which it was. I don't have to take typing. Typing seems hard. I don't need that. I type just fine with my two fingers. And for the longest time, that's how I typed. And it wasn't probably until I was probably out of college when I realized this might really benefit me. And the way that I forced myself to learn to touch type eventually was to get one of those ridiculous split keyboards, the Microsoft natural keyboard. Remember how it had? Mm -hmm. uh, Those are neat. And that was the only way that I forced myself to learn. And it was a huge learning curve. And my productivity dropped big time because I went from, you know, being able to just type pretty quickly, but I had to be staring at the keyboard, of course versus being able to just have my hands on the keyboard, looking at the screen. That was one of the toughest things for me to do. But once I did it, man, the productivity increased tremendously. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that could be what I'm missing out on by not just sticking with it and saying, you know what? Yeah, the fonts look different. No, it doesn't look the way I think it should look or want it to look based on my previous predispositions from the mail client, et cetera. Maybe it's worth it. Maybe if I had stuck with it for two weeks instead of one week, maybe mm-hmm. I would have I would have been there and then I'd be super productive. Why have I never gotten into the Gmail interface? I don't really know why. I don't I don't really know why. I just never You really gotta make yourself do it. I mean, you know, the like I'm always saying, hit while you're in anywhere in Gmail, hit shift and then question mark. And that will either invigorate you overwhelm you or both because that's all the stuff that you can do without hitting a meta key mm-hmm. inside of Gmail. I know you know this, but it's worth reminding people. See, see also Funstones, et cetera. <laughs> um, that's, there's, there, there is the, there's a, I feel like, how shall I put this? I was just right before you called me, I was listening to the latest episode of Connected and they were talking about um, how Readle, the Readle apps like Spark and their documents app I don't know if you saw this, but you can now do drag and drop between their apps on like an iPad Pro. Oh, cool. 
And the way they, it's, it sounds like a total hack as so many of Riedel's stuff is, but, um, I essentially it does something Federico apparently explained this in a, in a post, but, um, I, didn't, I haven't read it yet, but it, um, I guess it creates its own, once it detects that there are two Riedel apps, it's able to like make an ad hoc web server between those apps that, you know, and then, so you're by dragging the, the visual is that you're dragging from this to that, but the implementation is like, it's, that's a hack. It's a brilliant hack. And that's so great. Right. I mean, that's, I, I'm one of the many people that would love to see that come. I'd love to see lots of iPad improvements, um, announced, but what I'm trying to get at is I think there's an inherent riskiness that, that you are being smart by sticking with stock, except where you really, really have to do something apart from stock. I think there's an inherent riskiness to spending a huge amount of time getting good at a third-party app mm-hmm. for any variety of reasons. And I'm not saying it's not worth the trouble. I'm just saying it's risky for any number of reasons. I mean, not least, you know, uh, with Google stuff, for example, as you know, let's all just sing along. You know, Google stuff just sometimes goes away yeah. without much explanation or notice. So, like, if you've built a company around do, using this particular <laughs> tool this particular way, that's going to be rough, you know. Um, and then, but the other thing is, you know, as we've talked about a lot in the past, you know, you eventually learn to follow Apple's lead. You know, you're you're not gonna you're not you can't fight City Hall if if Apple is telegraphing that, you know, this is such a classic thing of Apple. The one example I always think of is, do you remember how disruptive it was when they changed the direction of scrolling on, oh, Yes. was it on, I guess on, on, on the Mac, was it on the Mac or did it start on iOS? I guess it was on iOS. They basically inverted the way that, that you scrolled because they decided it was actually more logical to do it this other way. And they did it on the Mac. And for a while on the Mac, they said, okay, here's the thing. It's, what do they call it? Natural scrolling. Right. I, I forget which is which. I, I do it all day, but I couldn't tell you which way I scroll when I do things. But the point was that they introduced something that said, look, we're changing the way that you scroll and here's why. It's better. Then this is this is this is our new thing. Now here's the deal. If you really hate this, you can go and invert that. But that's the warning shot. That's the kind of warning shot that Apple gives. Right. When they when it comes down to like Often it will just be like by fiat, this is the way this is now. But then other times it'll, it'll be a little more gentle. And you know, the truth is most people will just get used to it pretty quickly. But like, I would not, I would not be installing lots of hacks and hacksies and kecks in order to like try and permanently, you know, low down, change the way the system works. You know what? Uh, adapt. Because that's the way that works now. And you're going to increase, find an increasingly difficult time fighting Apple on the direction that they are taking things because that's the nature of the ecosystem. It's one thing that drives people nuts about Apple. So with all, with all that said, you know, there's so many things that would discourage people from innovating on the App Store, but I think that's one of them. Is you know, there's always sure there's always the Sherlock idea. What what if what if your unique characteristic of your app is suddenly subsumed into something at the system or app level? Mm-hmm, right. On a, right. So do you see where I'm going with this? Like I I think it is advisable to like not get too married to something that's real wackadoo and not part of the basic system unless you have to. And in which case you understand that you're accepting a certain amount of risk along with that. Right. And the more, the more like Byzantine and hacked and like clever a service or application gets, I mean, really it feels to me like the the more likely it is to be either vulnerable to, 
problems or to just breaking silently and <laughs> maybe not knowing why. Do not become addicted to water. Yeah. But there is there is something that I see over and over again, and that is that people getting upset that the product, the service, whatever it is, has been acquired or isn't able to maintain itself and shuts down. And I totally appreciate that kind of frustration. And there isn't a good way to avoid it because some of the best tools out there are by third parties. They're by an independent developer. You know, they're by one person or a couple of people and you never really know. And I think that's why it's so frustrating when it is like a big company that decides to shutter some kind of service that they offer. When you're like, this company is making millions or billions of dollars a year they couldn't keep this one thing going for the 100,000 people that probably use it. You know, that's the kind of misplaced frustration. Like, where do, where do you, how do you deal with that? Yeah. The I, answer I, isn't I, to just not use the tools that you want to use and say, well, I'm old. Apple didn't make it, so I can't use it. No, we, you know, we have to, we have to have a little bit more daring than that. Like Google Reader, you know, yes. that's, that's a pretty famous story where there had been, so RSS came along. And when RSS came along and uh, Dave Weiner co-invented the internet with Al Gore, they, uh, were, RSS did lots of things. Initially, it was a service where you could get headlines um, and say, like, hey, something happened over on this website. Here's the headlines. You want to go look at it. But, you know, it, the, the spec for that developed. It got better. And RSS became the basis for so many things. There's so much XML in the world now. And RSS was like was like your friendly little buddy. It was like the Ronald McDonald of, <laughs> of feeds and everybody used it. And it's, it's how we have podcasts now, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But a funny thing happened where like, I, when do we want to say 2003 by 2003 or four, um, it would seem kind of weird for your website to not have an RSS feed. Yes. And then there became a relatively thriving marketplace for people to either, you know, release apps or integrate into their service and, you know, you had things like Net Newswire was always my go-to. But then Google Reader came along. And Google Reader, Google made a newsreader that was fantastic. It was so great. It was like, if you are a fan of Gmail, like imagine reading your feeds like that. And it's what everybody started using. It was free. And they basically Walmarted the small town of RSS newsreader sales. Suddenly, it was not very profitable or uh, advisable to go out and spend a lot of money developing a bespoke RSS reader app for the Mac. I mean, you're talking about some very thin slices of pie to start with. <laughs> and then you get down to, oh, and by the way, the, one of the biggest movers in technology has made a fantastic version of this that runs in a browser for free. Ta-da! And then they, to, to complete the Walmartization of the small town, they said, you know what? We're not going to do that anymore. We're taking it away. <laughs> And I still miss it. I use uh, Feed Wrangler by underscore David Smith, and I like it. But I, I part, partly because he does lots of stuff. He does the J and K, and he does like I sends it to Instapaper, and M marks it as unread, and all that kind of stuff. But you know that's a famous example. But I think there are fairly ample examples of that happening. And like I say, it's 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 one thing to like build your whole like toolbox on that, and another thing of like like you know you could have a whole business built around services, plugins, all these different kinds of things. And then it just kind of goes away. It's chilling. It is. And, you know, it's, it, it, it's very, very different in the space of computers than it is in anything else because there are so many things that, you know, when you look around at all the things that we sort of take for granted, uh, whether it's 
you know, if you go and buy an electric appliance, it's just going to work in the in the plug in your wall. Of course, of course it's going to work. Why would it not work? Well, there was a time when, you know, things like that weren't standardized, you know. Uh the the way that things fit together that we just sort of take for granted. Uh those things on computers, we think that there's this kind of cohesion. We think that things work together well. Uh but you know what, behind the scenes not necessarily and those things that you find, the things that you want to use can be taken away at any moment. At any moment, all of our favorite things that we use online could just shut down. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's Stack Overflow for finding your code examples to CNN.com to get news, like whatever it is, like, yes, that thing that you treat as permanent could just go away. The bank that you use could close down. The car manufacturer where you get your car, uh, where you get your car well, could, could go away. All, your mechanic, your also, mechanic yeah. could go away yeah. too, and you know, yeah. so could the person that cuts your hair. But you just you don't expect that for some reason because, like, it's on your computer, like it's a thing, and we feel like we own the stuff that is on our computer. Like, I feel like you know, logic, like lo- that's an application that I own. Like, how could they take that away? Well, guess what? The new version of logic, I have lots of issues with that. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it has lots of problems. Why did they do that? Other people fine for me trouble. Well. You know, what What do I do about that? That's the version that's out there now. And things like that are super frustrating. That's absolutely frustrating. And the, the other side of that is in the real world, if you've bought a crescent wrench, let's, let's put it this way. Let's say Snap-on gave you a crescent wrench. They mm-hmm. said, hey, here's you, you get uh, it's free, free with special offers, this crescent wrench. It'll right. usually show an ad. Right. They give, you, they give you the greatest crescent wrench in the world. And then they announce that like, oh, by the way, uh, you know, next week it's going away. You're going to have to go get a different crescent wrench, which is no big deal because the crescent wrench is a pretty familiar piece of hardware. But like, what if what if there were no more crescent wrench manufacturers as a result of them having given away all those crescent wrenches? Right. But yeah, no, it's it's so what was the baseline point of this? I think uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with iOS next. I mean, this is another one of those times we feel like we go through this every year, maybe twice a year. We're like now we're all, all of this. This. um a lack of information is really pent up. Can you have a pent up lack? I'm not sure. But we're at a point where there's so much stuff. There's such a pent up lack of information where we're going like, well, you know, it's how do you guess about pretty much anything? Because what happens on iOS, like, well, that has an impact. What happens on, on Mac OS has an impact and has an TV OS. And like, okay, but like, what about the relationships and the services? And pretty soon you're like shooting a calculus with a calculus. I don't know. I'm sanguine. I'm uh, I'm feeling fairly optimistic. I got a, I got a weird hunch that uh, it'll be a pretty good keynote next week. Yeah, a hunch. Well, I don't have a little birdie or anything, but no. I just my something tells me that we're a little bit overdue for Apple to kick some ass. <laughs> I, I agree with that. <laughs> well, yeah, I that that sounded like faint praise because I guess it was. But there's so much stuff where you're like, yeah, that's great. You announced a computer. Cool. Cool, cool. Yeah, we, we do. We expect more. And you know what? Apple has... We used to. <laughs> we used to. Apple has shifted into very much a... And we we love talking about this here. And I love talking about it in general. Apple has shifted into uh, an incremental improvement kind of a company. The revolutionary kind of creations, uh, they're not they're not there like they were for a while especially with the iPhone. And that's okay. We're now in a company, we're dealing with a company that every year comes out with something that's a, a bit better 
hopefully, than it was the previous mm-hmm. year, or better in their estimation. And we're excited to use those things typically. But they've also made stuff that's not for me anymore for the first time since Apple, you know, smashed the the big screen in 1984. I've been on board with that and pretty much everything they made I liked, wanted, or used. And so now we're in a state where that, that doesn't happen. And it's all right, too. There's lots of stuff in the world that, that isn't for me. But here we are with, you know, with, with the, this potentially big week coming up in a, in a couple is it next week or is it the week potentially after? potentially huge week? Yeah, I think it's Monday. And there's a lot that could happen. There's a lot that could be announced. But th- I have to say, this is the first WWDC where I'm, and I'm probably going to miss out where I'm not planning on doing something for it. Whether I'm not really planning on watching it with some friends, I'm certainly not traveling to California this year. I haven't done that, and I, and I don't think I'll do that for WWDC ever again. Hmm. Uh, but I, I mean, for many years for me, that was okay. You know, it's it's coming up on June. We better, you know, get our plane tickets and see if we can get a decent hotel and what events are there going to be and should we do a meetup and all of that was was just that was just normal and now and it's not that I don't like Apple or I think they're failing not at all but it's I'm not excited enough about the kinds of things that they announced at WWDC and I think for a long time especially when Apple decided to pull out of MacWorld WWDC became the mm-hmm. place where especially during there is that lull in time where they Apple wasn't doing anything with Macworld. They weren't quite having these individual events for everything yet. So WWDC became the place where Apple gets to announce the stuff that it wants to announce on its own terms. And very quickly, WWDC shifted from this is the place where people who were developing stuff for Apple hardware used to go and that's when i first went to my wwdc the first one i went to the only everybody in the audience almost universally everybody that was there was there because they were running xcode and they were writing uh, they were writing applications for the mac that's why those human beings were in that room this is the place that they went to talk to other developers and people at apple who knew a lot more than them who could help them uh, make become a better app developer and that shifted tremendously, especially around the time of the iPhone and after for a while, because this was now, this is where Apple's going to release the new stuff. And then they started to have these side events. Oh, and the number, number of people, I mean, the, the math of it is, the arithmetic is that when iOS came along and then iOS came along and allowed you to make apps... Right. I mean, what kind of factor leap was that, right? Huge, and the number yeah. of people who made stuff for the Mac to the number of people who could make stuff for the iPhone. I mean, I, right. I, I, was, I, I haven't looked this up, but I would imagine the Delta between say 2006 and 2010 wow. is, was probably quite a jump. In quite a jump. And, but what also or, or, happened or in, in, in demand, cause I mean, obviously it's slightly, slightly capped by how many people even can get in. Sure. But what, what the big shift, I think the thing that took place was because Apple was doing things like the iPhone and making the iOS ecosystem for people to develop in. What started to happen was people who, I don't want to say they didn't belong, everyone belongs to WWDC, but people who wouldn't normally have gone to WWDC because they weren't developers started to go. That includes mm-hmm. that includes me. I was going at first when I was doing software development, and then later I was going because I talked about it, you know, four or five times a week. And I mm-hmm. thought, okay, this will be a cool thing for me to go and people that I know will be there and it'll be like a, a, a geek tech social meetup place. It'll be great fun. 
And it wasn't, I mean, it was like that in a secondary way before, but it then became the primary way. And you started seeing bloggers and people who wrote about Apple and people who had nothing to do with Apple development, just simply people who liked Apple and people who liked uh, writing or talking about Apple going and media started going because they were anticipating these big announcements coming out. And then when there wouldn't be new hardware, well, Apple's failing. They haven't announced any new hardware. WWDC. Well, it's for developers. Everyone's forgot. This is a conference for Apple nerds who are writing software. That's what WWDC is really. Uh, so, you know, we've seen it that really, really change dramatically over really starting in 2007 with the iPhone and, and the few years after that, what a difference it is. And so I think Apple's kind of in this difficult position where, you know, people will judge them as a company and their stock value will increase or decrease based on, did they release something? Is it what people wanted? Are people going to be happy with it? And that's a lot of pressure for them to do that at a conference where, you know, it, it was supposed to be about like, Hey, fellow Mac nerds, let's talk about our apps. And so, right. you know, now it's it's a very different thing. And so I think that, uh, you know, for me, I, I'm content to let that be for those kinds of people. And I don't really do any shows anymore intentionally where I hmm. talk about Apple. I mean, I made a very conscious decision that I didn't want to do that anymore. Um, and and mainly it's it's because my heart wasn't really in it as much. I wasn't, I found I wasn't, that excited about what Apple was doing. And in a way I see that as a good thing because now we're just, we're getting consistently better things each, each iteration, each time Apple does something hardware wise, we're getting something that feels a bit better. It's, Oh, look, the phones are waterproof now. I like that, you know, make it so that I don't need a case. If I drop it, that it won't crack. How are they do that? Science will do that somehow. It, it could be done, so mm -hmm. soon we'll get that. You can drop your phone uh, and it hits the ground and it doesn't shatter. I, I want that. We got our waterproof base or water resistant. That's great. You know, and, and each of these things are wonderful improvements. I just don't want to talk for an hour about iPhone water resistance. It's just not that interesting to me. Hmm. You know, like, good, it's water resistant. Next. Yeah. What's the next thing? You know, run flat tires. Good. Want those on my car? Next. Uh, it's not a show. So that's just, and, and it's, you know, and I, but now that's what I expect from Apple. I expect that. Make it so that my phone doesn't crack. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, hmm. yeah, I, I guess I, uh, are you really still excited fun. by that stuff? I think you're conflating two or more incredibly different things. And I'm kind of confused. Um, uh, WWDC, there's basically two, at least two major Apple events a year. There's one in, I believe, September when they usually announce the new iPhone because right. there's a new iPhone or iPhones every year. Yeah. There's a WWDC conference in usually in June, usually in San Francisco this year. It's in San Jose. Uh, and those are, you know, obviously it's, App, it's Apple's company. They can choose how, when, whether they do anything, but those are, those are the two big events. And like you said, I think in the wake of Macworld going away and I mean, personally, I mean, Macworld would still be huge if there was a need for Macworld, mm -hmm. but there's right. unfortunately not. Um, but it is, I think it is kind of exciting. I, I move stuff around to be able to watch the keynote. I, I, that part of it is very interesting to me. I enjoy the stagecraft of it. I, I'm excited. I nerd, it's like nerd Christmas. I, I, I'm, would make no apology for being excited about that. As far as like who and whether people should go to WWDC, well, there are a lot of people now who go to WWDC 
without a ticket to WWDC. Oh, I did that because, several years. Right, but I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I understand your point because it sounds like you're saying fewer people should go or something. No, not at all. Not at all. Okay. I'm, I'm, I just think it's really fun to see people. And if it were in if it were in San Francisco, I would be going to lots of things. And because it is, I don't no, know. No, that's not what I'm. That's not what I'm saying at all. Um, okay. No, n- not not in any way. You're shape just saying or form. you're not as interested in in, in Apple speculation and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm. Well, I'm saying that that what changed, and and what has changed in the perception of the the media. <sighs> is different from what Apple is actually really doing with their conference. WWDC started as a place for developers to go and do development stuff. And then with the popularity and success of iOS, iPhone, etc., it became a place for people to go that were in a lot of peripheral space to software development. And you started seeing huge WWDC changed, or at least it, 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 I don't know if it changed from Apple's standpoint, but it certainly changed from media standpoint, the way that media treated it to be now a big media event. And then Mm -hmm. they kind of backed that, they kind of walked that back and backed down from that intentionally. And I believe that was about two years ago when they did that by making it clear that they were not going to be doing new hardware at WWDC, at least for a while. And people were at first disappointed about that. And then, then they realized, oh, right, this is supposed to be about like development and operating systems and other things like that. And, and no, I'm not saying people shouldn't go at all. I'm, I'm saying that, um, that for me, the, the, on, on a personal level, I'm, I used to get excited about a WWDC because I was expecting there to be some kind of big oh my gosh, look at this new thing that no one's ever seen before. Here is something that nobody has seen before that we're doing that's crazy and that's cool and that's different. And even at the WWDCs where it was just minor hardware announcements, I always go walked away with that feeling like, wow, like Apple has just done something I really wasn't expecting. And I feel like things have shifted mm-hmm. to, you know what? Here's a better version of this operating system with some new features. Here's a better version of this ecosystem with these things that are better for developers or customers. Here's, you know, and, and that's good. That's what Apple should be doing. But for me, I've just, the, any, any kind of excitement that I used to feel about it is, uh, is gone. Part of that's probably also just, you know, I don't say, I don't mean getting old, but getting older, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I, I don't, I, um, I have faux FOMO. I have fear of fear of missing out. Like I, I have, I, <laughs> I like being left out of things. <laughs> it gives, gives me more time to, to, to sleep and to read. Yeah. Um, this is as good a time as any, I want to hear about something you like, but uh, I also want to mention, um, I was on a podcast in the past few days that I, I really would like people to check out. I was on uh, so, um, Fraser Spears and Federico Vitici do a really good show called Canvas. And it is, uh, I've talked about it here before, but it's a really good program where it's very focused on iPad as primary device that, you know, it doesn't mean we don't own or use a Mac, but like they, in their various professions, really try to use the iPad as their primary device and they take it very seriously. And so they were kind enough to have me on as a guest um, in the wake of Federico's wonderful iOS wishlist article and video, had me on to talk about what we would like to see not even so much what we predict, but what we would like to see in the next iOS and um, in particular on iPad. And I thought it was a good discussion. You know, Fraser's an educator. 
uh, Federico writes about <laughs> iPads and I do whatever I do. But it was, it was, it was a really fun conversation. And it's the more you use something, I said this at the top of that show, but the more you use something, the more you realize what it could be capable of. You know what I mean? You get not critical, but I think you definitely get more like, oh, like I love that I can watch Hulu on here, but I wish it had picture in picture. And you know what I mean? The more you use it, the more you really wish it did other stuff. Right. So, um, and there's, there's lots of good shows going around right now where people are doing their WWDC picks and all that kind of stuff. But I, I still get excited about it. And I, I do, I do have a good feeling. I understand why you're saying what you're saying. And I think I better understand it now. It's a lot. I think there's a certain limit to following speculation as a hobby in terms of maintaining your own sanity. Following speculation is a young man's game as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Don't you think a little bit? I do, yeah. You know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, I do. It's like, you know, well, is my feeling... Not now, now I'll be the karma suck. I'll take over for you. Uh, you know... Instead of all this speculation, why don't we wait six hours and hear what they actually say on stage? That's a thing we could do. Right. Maybe, maybe, maybe you don't need another post about that. <laughs> maybe, well, you know what? And there, maybe they'll just tell us when they tell us. There is, and there are, there are a lot of, you say there are a lot of people doing their picks. Maybe there's, yeah, I'm not going to say there's too many people, but there's too many for me to try and keep track of. Yeah. You know, and, and, uh, and I think all that is kind of interesting, but we're also kind of going to get what we're going to get, you know, and, and, uh, I'm also at this really weird point where I'm, I mean, there's, I could always make things a little bit better, but overall, if I'm not being nitpicky, I'm pretty happy with most of the stuff, especially yeah. where the Mac is concerned. I feel like we're at a real good place with Mac OS right now. Um, I've been more content just using Mac OS as an operating system, uh, with Sierra than I have in maybe since Snow Leopard. I feel like things are finally oh, just pretty reliable. I kind of like the way things work. I'm content with it. And you know, if they, this is just how it's going to be, this is, this is what you got. It's okay. That's fine. Fine for me. Good enough. Cause you know, yeah. devil, you know, devil, you don't know. Devil, you don't know. You know, uh, Dan, uh, we have a few things in show notes. Where would people find show notes for this episode of your Back to Work program? Uh, show notes are going to be at 5by5.tv slash B is in boys, 2 is in the number, W is in women, slash 326. 326. 326. Mm. <sighs> I really developed a taste for the Canada Dry original sparkling seltzer water. Are you that? You're of, there instead of the LaCroix now? <laughs> I've never been a LaCroix person. I only ever buy unflavored LaCroix if they're out of literally everything else. My wife likes the Pomplamoose. She'll have a grapefruit. But there's a kind of round, fruity flavor to the Canada Dry that I really like. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what's a, what's a tragedy. I'll tell you what's an American tragedy. <laughs> I broke down the other day because I had things to do. I broke down. I actually was going to be going to the last day of school and uh, go, a little, and go to a party after that with the family. And I was like, ah, I forgot to eat again. Ah, I'm going to be weird if I don't eat and I'm going to do the thing. So I went to KFC and I got one of their new chicken sandwiches, which was actually pretty good. I think it's called a zinger. It was pretty good. And one of the reasons I went there was I'm a little sleepy and I'm going to need to offset my chicken sandwich with a Mountain Dew. <laughs> so I'm going to have oh my, my monthly, I'm going to have my monthly Mountain Dew. Monthly. I'm gonna go, I'm, yeah. Yeah. Like, um, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to get the large Mountain Dew. And I'm going to get a chicken sandwich with potato wedges, like a gentleman. Wow. And then some mashed potatoes and gravy to dip it. 
And I got there. I'm still totally pumped. I'm like, you know what? Paulette, upsize it. Give me the big one. I want the big boy. Give oh, me the wow. big boy platter. So she, she gives me my cup. I go over there. I put ice in it. And I'm, I'm kind of giving this Mountain Dew sticker, the this, this stink eye a little bit. It looks a little bit weird. And I, and I, I click the, the dingus. Blue liquid starts filling my cup. Because it's some kind of abortive Mountain Dew Baja flavor. Baja mist or something like that. Really? Who does that? Why, why wouldn't you just have normal Mountain Dew there? So I went with uh, Cherry Pepsi. It's very disappointing, but it's a pretty, pretty good sandwich. It's called the Zinger. I think it's called. That's interesting to me. Yeah, I'll bet it is. You want to tell me about something you like? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm still yeah. thinking about this, the Mountain Dew thing. I want to come Blue, back. You know what? You do that. I will go look up Mountain Dew Baja. 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 <laughs> Baja. Bajas. Oh, my daughter used to have one of those little uh, interactive tables where you could like turn things and it would play noises. Oh, I want to talk. Like, I want to talk to you about fidget spinners after after we do the spot. You bet. Is that something you have an opinion on, or? Nope. Okay. No, but I'm, I want to hear what you think. Go for Dan. Well, I would like to tell you about Bombfell. Bombfell. <laughs> I was walking around the house. I looked at the sheets and I was walking around this morning going Bombfell. Bombfell. <laughs> what are you doing? I said Bombfell. They sent me those nice clothes. Bombfell. Bombfell listeners about Bombfell. This is a hell of an operation they got. That's what they do. They send you nice clothes. They're a personal styling service. It's all online. It's for men or or the men you love. Then they help find the right clothes. And you go into the site and they have a very simple questionnaire, which I really love because it's all visual. They'll show you like some shirts and they'll say, "Would you which of these would you wear?" And you you click the one or two that you would like. They show you some jeans or pants. Would you which of these would you wear? Maybe none. Maybe all of them. You kind of click through, and that's how they get a feel for what your style is. And they also have a cool thing that says, "Why are you here? Are you here because you just want some clothes that's like what you have? Are you trying to shake things up and you know spice up your wardrobe a little bit, or are you just trying to uh, just trying to get to get more of the same?" They don't care. They'll send you whatever you want. They just want you to be happy. And they're the only styling service that doesn't charge a styling fee or a subscription fee, you get matched one-to-one with a dedicated personal stylist and you only pay for the clothes that you keep, period. Uh, so if they send you something, you don't like it, you say, oh, I want the jeans, but I didn't like the shirt, that's no problem. Like it's not an all or nothing deal at all. And they never charge above retail price. And, uh, and they have distinctive brands that are sourced by people who know much more than us about what's in style. It, free shipping and returns. You get the home try-on, so if you don't like it, you send it back. doesn't fit, you send it back. You can even preview and edit what the stylist has picked before it's shipped. Like, you're in total control of the whole thing. And uh, you can even cancel the whole thing altogether. Total control all the time. No hidden fees and none of that nonsense. And they, I did this. I picked out the thing. I picked the stuff I liked. And they sent me... It was funny because when I got it, I looked at the shirts. I'm like, these are good, but I don't know if I could pull this off because I always feel like I have like a, like a, like, well, that's kind of outside my style. I said, you know what? They have to know what they're doing. It's Bombfell. They got to know what they're doing. So I said, you know what? I'm going to keep the shirt I wore. It's now in like one of my favorite shirts. I'm wearing it all the time. My son, one of the shirts they sent me was a small and he says, I want to try it on. It's too big for him, but he he claimed it as his own. He's keeping it. He wow. liked it so much. So you know, they, it it works really well. It's a really cool service. I really like it, and uh, and and I think our our listeners 
might like it as well. I liked it a lot. Uh, and I, I, well, I liked what they chose for me, but there's other stuff I liked better and it was a doddle to just change it. And it was, it's very cool. Cause it just basically says like, Hey, you know, you have this much time to decide if you want to change it. And it says, okay, are you ready to go? Do you want to do it? Or do you want to go ahead and are you good to go now? Right. And one of the, something they had in their ad copy that I really like was, I'm paraphrasing from memory, but they said something like, you know, because of the way that they operate, they only make money when you're happy. Right. There's not, there's no, they're not trying to trick you. Like this is, this is a pretty straightforward transaction. And I, I, I like it, admire that. And the clothes are totally sweet. I really like them. There's one, did you get one with the little, the penguin logo on it? I got a penguin. I got a penguin. I got a really cool kind of dad, like zip up. Sw- sweater thingy yeah and i got a really sweet um plaid shirt they sent me a pair of jeans mm. that are my already my favorite jeans i are they creamy they just feel like cream on your legs they feel like yeah they that's exactly what they feel like cream. creamy creamy pants yeah, that's right but like i never would have gone and find i i heard of that brand that they sent but i for me i was I like fell. i'm not gonna go and get i'm not gonna get whatever brand this jean is because i don't know it they sent mm. it to me now i have a new pair of favorite jeans super lightweight perfect for texas Hmm. Bombfell, B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L.com. You're going to go to bombfell.com slash back to work, and you're going to get $25 off your first purchase. Again, bomb, B-O-M-B, fell, F-E-L-L.com slash back to work. Hmm. Go there. Check it out. Great, uh, great operation. Great outfit. Good luck. Great drummer. Our thanks to Bombfell for supporting 5x5 and back to work. There you go. Fuck. Baja Blast is a Mountain Dew flavor. Its standard Taco Bell tagline, its standard Taco Bell tagline is, quote, a tropical lime storm, while its store release tagline was DEW, all caps, with a blast of natural and artificial tropical lime flavor. It is blue-green in color. Baja. Baja. Baja Fresh. What is it? Baja Blast. Blast. Baja, Baja Blast. Yep, a tropical lime storm. <laughs> you should see this thing. Eldritch Horror. Put it in notes. Oof. What a disappointment. I think I'm going to go in there and get my chicken sandwich, my zesty chicken sandwich, and my monthly Mountain Dew. And this is what they give me in my home where my wife and I sleep, <laughs> where my children play with their toys. <sighs> I'm tired. There's a jackhammering outside my house. Oh, not again. Yeah, PG&E. Yeah. What are they doing under there? Is it weird to you that some of our favorite movies came out in like 1974? Mm-hmm. Isn't that weird? Uh, 74 in particular is a weird year. Because you got Godfather 2, Blazing Saddles, and Young Frankenstein. I think the conversation as well. 74 was a pretty big year. 1974 in movies. To answer your question, I don't think it's weird, but it is a real outlier that there are so so many movies that we still watch that are from that particular year. What are your, let's go, should we go look at 1974 in movies? Yeah. Oh man, Chinatown? Blazing Saddles, Chinatown, The Conversation, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. One of your favorites. Uh, Young Frankenstein, Godfather 2, Great Gatsby. Huh. Airport 75. That was a Robert Redford, Great Gatsby, right? Oh, dude, taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3. Boom. <laughs> oh, it's such a good movie. That is such a good movie. Man with the Golden Arm. Garden Gun. Golden Gun, Man with the Golden Gun. Oh, Benji. Benji came out. Benji. Lenny. 
Lenny? Benji was in 74? Yeah. The dog movie? <laughs> I thought it was much later because I remember seeing that Benji movie as a kid. I'm Lenny. Didn't Chevy, didn't Chevy Chase do the voice of a, of a dog in a movie? Oh, do, 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 do. Yeah, that does sound familiar. That does sound familiar. Do you remember the movie about the little ginger tabby cat that had the uh, special collar that lit up and it had, it was from space, cat from outer space or something like that. Cat from outer space. And okay. it, uh, it, it had telekinetic powers. Only is it a Disney it was, movie probably? I'm sure. And only when it was wearing the collar though. Oh, yeah, here it is. And yeah. it could be. 1978. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what a cast. Who is oh, in goodness. that one? Um, let's see here. Cat from outer space. You got Ronnie Shell, Ken Berry, Sandy Duncan, Harry Morgan, Roddy McDowell, and McLean Stevenson. <laughs> Roddy McDowell oh wasn't God. <laughs> So Sandy Duncan from the TV show, Ken Berry from Mayberry RFD. Ronnie Shell, he's one of those character actors. Oh, that guy, he's funny. Yeah, that guy. Uh, Roddy McDowell. McLean Stevenson. Yeah. Henry Blake. Went down. Went Who down did the vo- okay, so the fan. Ronnie Shell did the voice of Jake, I'm guessing Jake is... Slash, slash Sergeant Duffy. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know who that... Oh, you'd know him to see him. He's like, uh, he's kind of like a Paul Lynn type, I think. Let's huh. see here, Michelle. What, what was that, Hogan's Heroes? No. I want to say Hogan's Heroes. I think he might have been on Liar's Club. I just remember watching this movie as a child and enjoying it quite a bit, but... Oh, he was on Gomer Pyle, it looks like. Ronnie Shell. Yeah. How that how that song go? Is that dun 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 Yep. How'd Hogan's Heroes go? Same. Dun 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 dun. Yep, same. What about family? What about family ties? Dun dun. Yep. Same. Dun 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 dun. dun. <laughs> Twin Peaks. Angela Badamenti. Dun 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 dun. dun. Santa Barbara. The Smurfs. Flintstone Kids. Trapper John MD. <laughs> Four fifteen cocaine. <laughs> Sarasota Slim. Hmm. Yeah, Jake had a collar. You take the collar off. Mm-hmm. He's just a regular cat at that point. Hmm. So really, it's more that the the collar is kind of the star. Of yeah. The show. So, but this didn't make any sense to me because if you're if you're a cat. How, how do you, so it communicates with telepathy and Mm -hmm. it has telekinesis Mm -hmm. and it comes in a UFO, but who made the UFO and the, the, the collar that lets it have the telekinesis and and it's a catch 22 kind of a thing. Yeah. You don't want to come in any, you don't want to come in a UFO. That's uh, it's a it's a really no. it's a really it's kind of like a Doctor Theophilus and Tweaky type situation, I guess. No, but someone made them. Human someone beings made, made yeah. them, or other robots that were made by human beings made them. But who made the telekinetic amplifying collar? That's the whole oh, thing. Is like right. like if if you're if, if you're just a cat running around, you don't have the physical ability to make a collar that will boost your telekinetic powers. I'm assuming that you don't have telekinetic powers strong enough to make mm-hmm. the collar. To then amplify the power. 
it doesn't make any sense to me. I'm out. I'm out. I'm done. I can't watch it. Yeah, donezo. The, the, it's fun to read descriptions for, for movies you have no intention of watching. That evening, the pair plan to break into the military base where Jake's ship is being kept, but must dodge Liz, who has arrived for their date with her own cat, Lucy Bell. Jake feigns being sick, allowing them to proceed to the base. At the base, Frank uses a backup collar to fly to the top of the ship and attach a diagnostic device. Jake learns that he needs an element that he calls Org-12. When Jake reveals the element's atomic weight, Frank realizes that Org-12 is elemental gold. Right. Mm-hmm. Industrial spy named Stallwood. What's the everlasting gobstopper? Oh, Hans Kahn Reed. He's terrific. Did I already um, recommend Goliath to you, the TV show? You did. Uh, a couple listeners said they uh, they like that's on okay. the Prime, right? Yeah, that's on uh, yeah, Amazon yeah, yeah. Prime. Yeah, good. A couple people mentioned. That's quite a poster. What a strange time. Strange time for movies. 1978. Back in 1974. Oh, Zardoz came out. What else you got? What is that, a space movie? (gasps) Beyond the Door. The trailer for this movie scared me so bad when I was a kid. Beyond the Door. Oh, my God. I wonder if I can look at this. I I saw... Oh, no. Oh, no. This scared me so much. (gasps) Oh. I remember very specifically seeing the trailer for this movie when I was a little kid watching TV in a room alone at night. And this scary, I can't even watch it. I'm, oh. watch, I'm watching it right now. Beyond, are you watching Beyond the Door trailer 1974? Yeah. Oh, look at the eyes. Look at her eyes. It's like an, it got an exorcist vibe. Oh, she's floating. She's floating right across the room. Oh, God. It's, it's an exorcist ripoff. <gasps> oh, this is so scary. Can you imagine me being six and uh, seeing this? Mm-mm. There was a movie that horrified me when I was a kid, and I can't remember the name of it. But once you see something like that as a little mm-hmm. kid, like it just, it just, there it is, the legacy. Yeah, this is it. This is the one that was horrific for me. Legacy, 1978. Okay. Legacy uh, trailer. Yeah. With Sam Elliott was in this. <sighs> Look at him. Look at <laughs> Look at this young Sam Elliott. Are you watching this? Yeah, I'm not up to him yet. I see a cat. (laughs) I just remember watching this. Oh, he is handsome. Yeah, look at him. Look at him with his his fancy brown mustache and everything. (laughs) Roger Daltrey's in this? Yeah, I guess. I just remember watching this trailer and and something terrified me as a kid about it. I don't remember why. It's chilling, yeah. I don't know what's scary about it. I'm scanning through it now. Co-starring Roger Daltrey. Look at Roger Daltrey sitting there at the buffet line eating up. Oh, governor. <laughs> Big year. Herbie rides again. Big bad mama. Female Trouble, John Waters, 1974. Big, big, huge year. Oh, Phantom of the Paradise. Hmm. I have a Phantom of the Paradise t-shirt. Oh. Mm-hmm. Murder Records. <sighs> can't hear it here because i'm at the office mm. but oh boy it's crazy tearing everything up big party gonna break all the windows um what do we got this week uh we got some things from listeners we got opinionated apps that's my crescent wrench that's my purse i don't know you <laughs> going through big king of the hill phase right now it's a favorite show now uh oh i had a quote oh you know what okay okay one thing i would like to mention am i allowed to mention this did you see the thing from listener Daniel about the card that he made for his lady friend? Uh, hmm. 
Remind uh, me. I'm going to assume it's okay to read this just with the name redacted. Uh, uh, my girlfriend and I listened religiously. Recent episode had a pretty big impact on our lives. Uh, you talk about Federico Fellini and how remember this film is supposed to be a comedy. It's actually a great way to reboot your perspective. Um, goes on very nice, very nice note. Um, my girlfriend and I have been saying those exact words to each other during, during moments in our lives when one of us is in a tough spot. Isn't that nice? Yeah. So for her birthday, I worked with a local designer to create a physical version of that quote. It's meant so much to us. I had it framed and now it's on her wall. And it's a gorgeous print somebody made. It's like flowers, almost like maybe magnolias or lilies, but with film threaded through it and in beautiful script. It says, remember, this film was supposed to be a comedy. Pretty cool. Ah, it's so nice. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's gorgeous. Thank you so much to listener Daniel for that lovely, lovely note. And congratulations to you and your lady friend for keeping it funny. That made me happy. Oh, my stomach's growling. I should uh, eat. Yeah, you should eat. Take a quick yeah. break and... No, no. I need something. Mm, mm. God, we're at ah, 76 minutes? Yeah. What do you think of that? What do you make of that? Oof. Oof. Seems longer. I mean, it seems, it seems not that long. It seems like that, that the time seems wrong. Oh, it's the right time. Mm. I'm looking, and it's like right at uh, hour and 17, yeah. Listener Greg writes uh, regarding discipline versus motivation. Last week, my wife and I were talking about my lack of motivation to do cardio. And she stopped, I think she maybe dropped some wifely wisdom on me. Um, discipline is more important because, this is all discipline versus motivation. Discipline is more important because it can keep you on track when motivation fails. I think it's kind of profound. So how do you address your cardio, How do you, sticking with it? I don't exercise, oh. but, but I think it gets to that bigger point about, you know, again, the, the old example, brushing your teeth, where hopefully you don't have to have a reminder, you know, you don't have to, if you're an adult, you shouldn't have to remember to brush your teeth. I'm, I'm used deliberately using a very extreme example because like, how do you get that same pattern repeated in everything else that you care about? Well, you do it over and over to where you don't have to think about it being a thing anymore. Are you, are you motivated to brush your teeth? Yes, but the motivation to brush your teeth is what led to the discipline, right? Because you don't want stink mouth. True. I don't know. I just thought it was a good quote. That's all. Oh. Yeah. I like it. Just making content. Yeah, no, I like the content. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you to uh, listener Greg for that. You know, motivation is one of those things that I think I think it ties back also to discipline. And I've found that, um, like I have a friend who... Uh, he's, he's a little heavier than he wants to be. And one thing that he will do periodically is I guess he'll say, you know what? I need to go and he'll go on some kind of diet. And it's usually not just a diet, but it's a lifestyle kind of a change. And it usually, I would say it, it tends toward the more extreme. Like for example, he might say he's going from eating kind of whatever he wants all the time to essentially being extraordinarily low carb or no carb and gluten-free and no alcohol and no caffeine and, you know, very, very dramatically different. So different that it it's almost shocking and you would imagine it must be shocking to to go through it and do it. It's not a subtle change. It's not a gradual change. It's all or nothing, it's from I'm eating whatever I feel like eating all the time to no, I am 
only eating these very, very specific things and only these things and only at these times and only in these much smaller portions. And he'll, he'll do that. He'll do that for a while. And then he'll say, okay, well, you know what? Um, I've been doing this now for a whole week. So now I get a cheat day. <laughs> and on his it sounds like Brian Butterfield. Yeah, it, and then uh, and then he'll become Brian Butterfield on his cheat day, where he'll eat not the weekend. Yeah, it's treat day. That's right, and he'll eat whatever <laughs> he wants to eat, uh, or you know he'll he'll go on a trip and he'll be like, well, I was traveling, so I I yeah. had to eat that cake and the slice give of yourself key lime a, pie. Give yourself a pass. Yeah, and 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 I feel like, and then eventually after he does the extreme diet for a period of weeks, he will stop doing it. And you know, started off with lots of tweets and announcements. I'm doing this, and this is how. Look at this amazing lunch I made today. And then, uh, then you know, a few weeks later, I'll say, how's, "How's that thing going that you're doing?" And he'll say, "Uh, yeah, no, no, not really doing that. I, mean, I don't need to do that. I don't need to be that extreme." And then, you know, another month or two will go by, and he'll start the next thing up. And you know, I understand that the reason that he's doing it is because he, on one hand, wants to to get in shape and lose some weight, and on the other hand. Uh, he will, uh, he'll get into a point where he's like, I can't do this anymore. I can't maintain this anymore. I can't make this happen anymore because it's too much, right? It's too extreme. And you're almost setting yourself up, I think, for, for failure by doing something that is that extreme, especially if you haven't put the kind of support mechanisms, uh, in place, you know, like, I've been um, yeah. What, what I what I call infrastructure. Yes, the, the the stuff where you make the right thing the easy thing, and you make it difficult to do the thing that historically screwed you up. Yeah, because you don't. You're, you're trying to trust. If you try to trust your own willpower alone before you develop the patterns and the compensatory muscles, you're kind of doomed to fail. Unless you're just very very lucky. I mean, motivation is almost always going to lose to the existing habit. Right. That the existing habit is inertia. Like that's that's what you're fighting. And like, like you sort of, like you said last week about trying to replace a, a bad habit with a good one. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry I interrupted you, but like, that's, that's, I think that's, I think infrastructure is what it's all about. Like think through the way that you actually live your life, figure out the parts of your life that aren't going to change and then have it accommodate the way that you'd like to be. And, but also be willing to look at the parts of your life that probably shouldn't be the way they are. Like this really needs to change. Mm-hmm. Like, th- but this habit is something that I fall into so easily. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it it takes a lot of um, candor with yourself when you're doing that. You know, it's, it can be uncomfortable. It really can. And I mean, having the having the motivation, I think, is easy. Having the discipline to maintain whatever those changes are that's the challenging part. You know, motivation. I mean, it's like I, I don't I don't know much about fires, but like motivation to me, you could think of as the spark that starts a fire. Then you've got the tinder that lets it build into something, but then it needs the fuel. It needs it needs fuel and air in order to stay alive mm-hmm. in some ways. Mm-hmm. I would not count on lighting a match and being able to cook your dinner when you're camping. It's going to take a lot more than that. Motivation is a spark, but it's it's not the actual product. That's a whole different thing. And that's, this is again, one of our old, old school ideas, but that's why people I think get so frustrated sometimes is that you don't even realize if you're asking the right question, you don't, you don't, you haven't thought enough about like what it's like to actually do the thing that you're doing. And in the case of these, some of these, now let's be honest, there are some people who have the right personality to say, that's it, right. Starting everything over. I'm doing everything different. I'm, I'm breaking up with everybody in my life. I'm selling everything. <laughs> like maybe that works, that, that could work. But I think I think more often 
we don't really think through how deep the roots go for whatever it is we're trying to change, ameliorate, improve, get rid of, whatever it is. Like you really, if you're just pulling out the tops of the dandelions on your mixed metaphor, you're not going to get the roots out of your Brian Butterfield diet. That's really all that I'm saying here. It's <laughs> very well said. Bon, 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 bon. But you know what? I mean, it is, when I look at the things that I've committed to doing and that I've been able to do and then maintain for many, many years, those things, when I did them, when I, I transitioned to doing them, it had to be that kind of, um, that kind of integration into your life with that, that infrastructure that you're describing. Otherwise you're setting yourself up to do something on a temporary basis. Like it's unreasonable to say to yourself, I'm going to make these extreme changes all at once. And I'm going to go from these habits and things that I've been doing for maybe decades to there's all this new stuff. And I expect I'm never going to have, I'm never going to have any problems with it. No, like, of course you are, you know, of course there's going to be a learning curve. Of course you're going to have to take uh, time and, and potentially a, a slow transition. And that's the thing is like all of us, we're in a hurry. You know, we want to get to that thing that we want. We want to have that thing that we want. You want to lose 15 pounds? Like, I want to be at the point where I've lost the 15 pounds already. I don't tell me that I'm going to lose a pound a week. That's 15 weeks. That's unreasonable. I can't maintain this for 15 weeks. Okay, well, then there's there's the problem because guess what? It's going to take 15 weeks. Yeah. And if, if you don't have 15 weeks of worth of, of uh, discipline, then this is not going to work. You're going to, you know, and, and that's the thing that people want. And I remember when I was, when I was younger in my 20s, early 20s, I could lose weight if i wanted if i just went out and and cut back a little on what i ate and ran a little bit i would lose five pounds right away easy no problem and i could go to the gym and work out and and you know bulk up and gain five ten pounds in a few weeks like i'm not 25 anymore i'm not 22 anymore and so all of those things i used to take for granted like it gets harder it gets harder every day and that's the kind of thing that where you can really see what you're made of that's where you can really see uh, if if you're willing to give these things time, it took you, you know, if it took you years to get, for example, out of shape, it might take you years to get back in shape and that the reward has to come from these small uh, milestones, which is really my point is that if you're going to make the changes, make the changes slowly, set reasonable, small milestones for yourself. And the toughest thing, as our our, our listener wrote in to say, when they're talking about something like cardio that's the toughest thing. Like I probably spend, I'm guessing three or four days I'm doing 30 to 60 minutes on a, on a rower. And that's the, you know, like I've got to put on a movie or I've got to listen to something. Like I can't just be in the room with the rower, you know, because, and that's what cardio (laughs) is. It's difficult. It's time consuming. And, uh, and it, it can be pretty boring. Unlike something like lifting weights where you're like working really, really, really hard for like, a minute and then you, you know, then you work really hard for another minute on something else and you're fully engaged in it. Like if you're just on a stair stepper or an elliptical or out on a jog, like there can, there are lots of ways to motivate yourself. So that's where it comes back to like the discipline, the motivation. It's easy to get that motivation. I'm going to change. I'm going to do this thing. But then like three weeks later, where is that? Where is that going? Sound like the mom in Totoro. I'm going to get better. The here's, a, here's an example of what you're talking about. That you take something that is empirically identical, like night night one, there's exactly the same mess. There's this mess to clean up in the kitchen. Night two, for practical purposes, exactly identical to the mess the night before. Night one, 
everybody's stressed out. Everybody's crying. There's a place that we need to go. We forgot we need to buy a present. We got to get out of the house, but we should probably do the dishes first. The last thing I want to do is do those dishes. One night later, I've been taking care of my kid most of the day. I'm a little bit uh, shagged out. My wife wants to spend some time with my daughter because she just got home from work. I get to go put on my Plantronics headphones, listen to a podcast, and clean the kitchen. The exact same mess feels so different depending on how you feel about it. You know, it's back to that old thing of like how you feel and how you feel about the feeling. Um, It makes such a difference. And, you you know, you ever notice when you drive somewhere? You ever ever notice you park on the driveway when you drive on the parkway? You ever notice that like when you drive somewhere, the trip to somewhere new takes X minutes or hours. Mm -hmm. The trip back feels like it takes about half X minutes. Why is that? Because you're, well, I think one, I think probably one phenomenon is that as soon as you start noticing things you've seen before, like there's no end to a trip that isn't finished yet. The, the move that isn't over until it's over. Like the whole time that you're driving, that might as well go on for the rest of eternity. And it feels like it sometimes. But on the way back, you really know how long that trip feels like, even if the traffic is different. And you go, hey, I remember that's the Stuckies we went to. I don't know if they have Stuckies anymore. But like that, I remember that that's that place. There's that funny Fred Flintstone house on 280 or whatever. You know, I think that's probably one fairly understandable way. So when you go into some new enterprise with like, in this case, wanting to do more cardio, my gosh, there's just so many barriers to keep you from doing that, to keep you from sticking with that. You know, maybe at this point you've like been piling up newspapers on the treadmill or like you put just put a stuffed monkey in the rowing machine or, or what have you, you know, and there's all this resistance to getting it going. And that's, you have to just be stupid and not, I mean, yeah, you need motivation, I guess. I just don't believe that much in motivation. Hmm. I think most of the people who want motivation need something different. And and that is repetition and habit. And, you know, I don't know. I just, I just, I think motivation is like a new year's resolution. Like if it worked, we wouldn't need it. Like it's, it's one of those magic <laughs> beans solutions to things which I've got to get motivated. And what, what's motivating? Well, according to Ron Swanson, uh, hunger and fear are motivators. I think fear is a great motivator. Um, you know, panic can be a great motivator, but ask yourself how much you want that to be the thing that helps you decide what to do next. You know, another kind of motivation is like, it's a little bit more mindful, which is to say like, I want to be this slightly different person. And to be that slightly different person, there's these things that I have to do. Well, if you obsess over getting motivated to do the things you need to do, that's going to be kind of like pushing a rope. But if instead you say, I'm going to do these things that I need to do because importantly, important to my own ego, my own sense of self, my own ambitions about life, then I get to be that kind of person if I do these things. And maybe try to do a little of both, but I think it's, I think, you know, there are certainly websites that will tell you if you enter in the contents of your kitchen, it will spit out some ideas for what you can make. But I think it does in some ways, if you want a big fancy meal, it's nicer to plan, plan something from the bottom up as something that you want to do. You know, and your motivation, is it fun to cook? Well, it can be. That's going to be fun to cook because you're making a thing that you want to cook. I don't know. I'm not, I think I'm tired. Hmm. I worry. I you, worry need another, you need another Mountain Dew, I think. Yeah, I'm going to buy a blaster. <laughs> Dan, would you tell me about one more thing that you like? I would love to tell you about PDF Pen. PDF Pen. Is that by the family of Smile? It is. They just came out with a new version uh, just back in April, not that long oh, ago. Oh, Yeah the ultimate tool for editing pdfs going paperless they have added over 100 enhancements that will improve your pdf editing workflow everything from uh, annotations and their content showing up in the sidebar 
They've got this cool find and highlight all instances of a word or phrase. So if you're looking for one thing, that show up a little highlighted thing on that. It's so cool. You can uh, create links to other PDF files all within your, your one file. You can export from uh, Grayscale. You can export to a JPEG, Ping, 1-bit TIFF. You know you want your 1-bit TIFF. Let's one be bit honest. Tiff, Everyone yeah, needs yeah. a 1-bit TIFF. Shaving haircut 2-bit. Mm-hmm. You could do forms to do calculations. They've got a table of contents editing. They've got OCR for now for Chinese, for Japanese, for Korean. You're kidding. That's all built in now. That seems like a difficult problem to solve. I don't know how one does that, but they did it. And, uh, and you can go and learn more about this by going to uh, smilesoftware.com slash B2W. And uh, you get to you see all of this. They've got video there. They've got animated uh, GIFs or, or GIFs, as you say, mm. uh, that you can check out and see. And that's one of the things I love about this is it's very intuitive. It's very easy to use. But a lot of the time going in and seeing it done, even in like a 10-second demo of something, it just clicks. It just clicks when you see it. It's one thing to say, oh, you can do OCR for Japanese now. You're like, okay, cool. But then when you see that, it's like, wow, that was really easy. That was like one step. That's amazing. So go there. Do, do yourself a favor. Go to smilesoftware.com slash B2W. Go check this stuff out. And uh, again, another really solid release. This is mandatory. You know, we talk about running stock. PDF Pen is one of those applications I will always install on a new mm. Mac anytime I get it. It's, I don't know how yes. people are not using this everyone's just not using this it really i mean speaking of magic beans i mean this is that kind of app where you know this feels like the future it does not feel like a way to hack the past this feels like the future i mean as long as we're going to be using pdfs on stuff the ability to to do that with power on these various platforms and have it all hook up it's pretty magic i love this app Uh, thanks to uh, pdf pen and smile pdf pen our thanks to pdf pen pro and smile for supporting Back to Work and all the great shows and 5 by 5 And I want to thank the Academy because mm-hmm. really this has been such a journey for me. Well, I botched that one pretty bad. No, nah, it was good. Yeah. The show in Lover Air. Oh, God. I, my, my neck's a little bit achy. Really? Are you coming down yeah. with something? No, I might have a pinched nerve. I don't know. Oh, no. I should probably learn to sleep better. Like, like actually lay down better. I think I don't lay down right. Lay down, laying down wrong. I got to get motivated. Laying down incorrectly. Laying down wrong. How do you lay down? One of the great Kung Fu masters. <laughs> laying down wrong. <laughs> How is it that pong. you lay down? Uh, uh, I have four positions. Okay. One. I don't want to discuss it too much. It's kind oh, of personal. Oh, this is exact. No, no, no. I've got, I've got two How different. How is it personal? Everybody lays down. Because then people are going to think about it and like draw pictures and stuff. I don't want that. Uh, no, I promise you, our listeners, right, guys? No one's going to draw this. Yeah. I also, I snore, and so I snore Is it apnea? Less. Is it sleep apnea? I don't think so. It's snoring, which is a thing. Um, and so I try to not sleep on my back, which is my preference. You know, I bought one of those uh, hello pillows. Yeah. You know what these are? Yes. J- Jim Dalrymple was, was selling these on, on his site for yes. a while, and so I bought one. It's a very interesting pillow. It's buckwheat. Oh, yeah? And it weighs, it weighs a lot. It's very, very heavy. So I've been trying different pillows. I've been using the Hello for a couple of years now. And then occasionally I'll go to like a, I'll try just a firm pillow. I just always feel like sleep is something I could improve on, even, even at this basic tactical level. Mm. I got to get motivated. 
<laughs> yeah, one do you believe in motivation? Get, one of these days, I gotta get organized. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. Mm-hmm. Wait, so you want to button this up? Yeah, I, I'm. We can do that. Okay, I love you. Love you too, my man.